Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Rob Chafe, Mad Cow Amplification. All right, Chafe. I love that when Tony does. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd <laughs> Welcome to the Guitar Novice Podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Oh, heck yeah. Yes, we got a really, really good one tonight. Um, you know, uh, Tony, as you've said many times on the show, yes. especially for new listeners, yes. um, we do what? We do whatever you tell us to, Todd. Okay. This is your cue to follow it, to, to <laughs> just jump right in and roll with me here. All right. I'll roll with you rather than giving you a hard time. Thank that's, you. That's what, actually that, what I that prefer That was last time. All right. Well, oh, it's almost every time. <laughs> um, so we like to talk about gear, and specifically boutique gear. That is correct. And specifically with the people that make this boutique gear, and that's things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and pickups and all, all the good the stuff. Good stuff. And there's a key word that you said in there, amps. 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 And uh, we've got a very special person on the line. Person, who are you? My name is Andy Fuchs of Fuchs Audio Technology. Got a big fish on the line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, Our good friend Rob here, uh, he said, hey, you should get Andy Fuchs on the line and uh, interview him. I was like, can we? Do you know him? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, hard to get a hold of people because people get slammed with so much goofy email. And Andy's you know. very accessible. Yeah. Well, as that that has proven, and uh, and so far a delight to talk to, and with the you know the five words that we've heard him say. So. Did you did you approach him with I I am a Nigerian prince who is yes <laughs> I did. Got an immediate reply. And it worked. He fell for it. Hook line and sinker. I like the Facebook meme of the Nigerian guy with the piles of money in his apartment (laughs) saying, you know, you should have answered him. (laughs) Yes. Well, anyways, we're going to have a great time. Andy, um, where can people go see the things that you do? Well, uh, we do have a dealer network. If you start by going to our website, which is fuchsaudio.com. F-U-C-H-S. F-U-C-H-S-A-U-D-I-O.com. Um, there is a dealer listing there. Um, probably one of our better known dealers would be American Musical Supply. Um, we're also in various independent stores as well around the country. Um, some export overseas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so good because we, we have know, an overseas st- audience, so they're going to be interested. Totally, totally. So our stuff is available for you know for export as well, which is great. We also operate our own direct site, which is FuchsAudioDirect.com. If you're not near a dealer or you feel more comfortable dealing directly with the manufacturer, we sell through there as well. Excellent. And yes. uh, you got an Instagram, I'm sure. Uh, our Instagram, I believe, is, is Fuchs Audio as well. Perfect. <laughs> that was very lucky for that you to convenient. get that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it yes. totally was. <laughs> Talk about your dumb luck. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, and Rob, maybe if you want to kind of give our, your perception on what does he do? What does Andy do? Yes. He builds great amps. He also, uh, the, him and the guys over there, they do a lot of repairs and customization and yes. stuff like that. So all kinds of different amp equipment. Predominantly great amps. Yeah. All right. So we're going to find out all about the Fuchs amps and uh, very excited for that. Um, 
Tony? Yes, Todd? There aren't any major announcements right this second, other than... Yes. By the time this comes out, we will be setting up to go to NAM. Andy, are you going to NAM this year? I am not. Okay. Um, let me just interject real quick. Of my course. my Instagram is, is actually Fuchs Audio Tech, T-E-C-H. Got it. Uh, not just Fuchs Audio. Um, back on the NAM thing. Uh, I'm still kind of taking a wait and see on the NAM show, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple, I mean, I went to Nashville NAM a year or so ago. And, and when I tell you, they were like tumbleweeds in the rough. Uh, in the exhibition center. Yep. Um, you know, and, and last year, NAM in California, when you see that Gibson and Fender and PRS and some really heavy hitters did not go. It was about half stocked. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just can't as a, you know, a relatively small company. It, it's really difficult for me not only to justify the expenditure, but the time lost not being in the shop. Yeah. You know, because I've got, you know, besides my responsibilities, you know, on the engineering and QC side of what we manufacture, um, you know, a portion of my time is is spent doing doing repairs as well, which I still enjoy doing. You know, for me, it's very therapeutic and cathartic at the end of the day. I get in, usually work till maybe 4, 4.30, and then I'm in the shop until close to 7 o'clock, and I put a couple of hours in on the bench. And, and to me, it's still fun. You know, I, it also gives me a chance to look under the hood of, you know, let's say a two rock or a Morgan or a Friedman or something like that and see how people are doing things. And people will come to me and say, hey, you know, what can you recommend? I need, you know, an amp to do this, that or the other thing. I would rather not blindly just say, hey, Dave Friedman's a nice guy and he's kind to puppies and, and children, <laughs> you know, buy his amp. I would rather say, you know, I fix, you know, occasionally fix Friedman's and play them and have a look under the hood and I can feel comfortable that it's a product I would recommend. Right. You know, as an example, um, you know, I mean, if, if I had my my per- Personal choice, I would just spend all my time fixing vintage fenders because I have a blast doing them. And most of the time, they're pretty predictable and they come out really good. Um, So that's kind of fun. Um, I have other techs in the shop, thankfully, that can do, you know, modern switch mode, digital JBL powered speakers or keyboards or, uh, you know, things that are either I don't want to do them or I don't feel qualified doing them, you know. Yeah. Well, and also there's the, you know, the Beanie Baby shop you have on Etsy. Who's going to be running that if you run off to, uh, you know, Nam or whatever? So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyhow. Okay. Well, then we won't see you there. However, um, we'll give you a full report. Yeah. How's that sound? Well, somebody will for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to be there. Yes. And for those who are listening who will be there. Uh, if you if you have a booth, we'll find you. If you don't have a booth and you're you know you're going to be wandering around, please get a hold of us. Yeah, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, okay, do that. Just DM me on Instagram at Guitar Knobs, and uh, we we'd love to uh, meet and shake hands and say hi and you know whatever. Okay, listen, kids, don't be a knob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of us already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No more room. Yes. Uh, anyways, speaking of no more room, Tony yes. is going to start off with what's going on in our music worlds this week. 
And uh, then we're going to check in with our friend Andy to find out what he's got going on. Okay, so I'm first. Yes. As always. You're always first. I know. So, um, we're coming in after our Columbus Guitar Show. Now, not the biggest guitar show in the world, but it's fun, and we get to see a lot of people. It's certainly the biggest in Columbus. It's the biggest in Columbus, (laughs) yes. Um, And I sold a couple of things, but one thing I found. What? Within 30 seconds of me arriving at the table. You're my good luck charm. You sold three guitars. Okay. And, and, and seriously, sold, sold three guitars in like a minute and a half. You're the big seller of the show, though. I've heard from other people. It. Well, yeah. Yes, I a lot of stuff being moved. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, the way that most guitar shows work now is before it opens the to the public. Open, yeah. And, yeah. And Howie at Rivington bought a couple of my guitars. Oh, uh, so, okay. Okay. You know, so, and, you know, so there you go. Yeah. It's, okay. So I'm helping out the New York City market. So what did yeah. you buy? So there's a guy walking around and he says, hey, you buy pickups? And I said, well, not really. What do you got? And he whips out this. Uh, I mean, I know what it is. It's a Supro lap steel uh, pickup. And um, it's not just a pickup, though. It's like the whole house. Well, it's it's it. it's the bridge. It's the, it's got a it, yeah. It's it's got everything on it. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, what are you asking for that? And he said, ah, seventy five bucks. I said, well, does it work? Yeah, yeah, it works now. The, the big caveat at any guitar show, if somebody says it works, it works, you got a 50-50 yeah. chance. Yeah. Well, the good news is this does work. And um, so I ended up getting it for like 50 bucks, which, you know. It's a hefty piece of hardware. Well, it is. And um, for those of you who don't know, uh, a lot of these types of things are used on what is commonly called a cooter caster, named after Ry Cooter, who uh, really started putting essentially a lap steel bridge pickup in and usually a gold foil in yeah. the, between the, kind of the middle and neck yeah, position. Me, those of you who are trying to figure this out, think water slide guitars, and I think water you will, slide, you will get a, yeah, a does, does make a Yeah, they do something very similar to this. And, uh, of course, Ry Cooter, you know, he's like, he's played on everyone. Johnny Lee Hooker, uh, Eric Clapton, the Rolling Stones, Neil Young, David Lee yeah, and the Valentinos, <laughs> he's guest artist, right? Um, but anyhow, so I decided that, well, now I've got this. It's it's kind of like, what is it, the Delta or the Moen commercial? Yeah. I want you to design a house yes. <laughs> based on this piece. So I'm, I, I, I've am i never made a cooter caster myself. I'm going to make one. So I'll start with a Strat body and make it a hard tail because... Uh, Why do you start with a Strat body? Because that's a traditional... Cooter caster. So, too bad you don't like it. That way, (laughs) that way you won't touch it. Um, So that's why that's what I'm gonna do. And I already have a I have a Lawler gold foil that that just sitting in my cabinet. So I'm gonna 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 do that. That's cool. I'm gonna build a guitar around those pickups. I like that it has a little volume knob on it. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. And and it's an old. It's I metered it out. It's about a 250 uh, um, potentiometer. And the pickup itself is a healthy, like, 6.17. So mm. I think it's uh, That's you know, fun. We'll have to see how it sounds. But, yeah, it's got a just a big old metal plate that sits on top of the guitar. That's neat. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, let's see. Andy, what, aside from going deep into maybe your amp building stuff, um, I know you're, uh, you've got other musical things going on. What did you do this week? Uh, I gigged Friday night. 
Perfect. That was that was fun. Uh, probably going to go out tomorrow night to uh, there's a local uh, blues jam not far from the house that I'll probably go and sit in on a guitar or bass. You know, and I'm the annoying guy who brings stuff to jams like here, plug this and use this tonight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, what what's nice about it is I managed to actually. Um, I've sold a number of bass amps to local players. Uh, when we were first doing R and D and tweaking, you know, I brought them out and said, "Oh, you know, come on, give it a shot." And then, you know, when guys come off stage and they go, "When you start selling those, you call me." It's like, ooh, okay, yeah. Um, so that's you know, that's it. I mean, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of free time outside the business because it, it does eat up a lot of time. Yeah, you know. So I'm, you, you know, my time at home. Babies. Yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I value my time at home. Um, you know, I'm in a new relationship now that's three years old and actually just got engaged. So, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. I, congratulations. I, yeah. I really don't want to burn out a, another relationship because I'm a workaholic, you know? Yeah. Is there, so, is there uh, a big date ahead? Sometime this year is the date, actually. Nice. Okay. Very yeah, exciting. we, uh, you know, we're both second timers. Um, we're both really happy. So why not, you know, completely turn it upside down by getting married? You know? <laughs> so, so, um, yes. you know, so it's kind of up in the air. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of gigs, you know, coming up this year. We're trying to find, you know, maybe a weekend or a week where we can maybe do a cruise and, you know, just take it in, you know, take it in stride. There's no, no major pressure, you know, like, you know, we, we better be married by March or I'm out of here, you yeah. know? <laughs> Well, I think the last Kiss Cruise is coming up. You might want to Ooh, jump oh, on that. I think that ship oh, has wow. sailed. <laughs> you know, I, I moved and I, I cannot find for the life of me my Kiss platform shoes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can buy one on the cruise. Yes. Or sale. Really? Uh, <laughs> Rob, how about yourself? Uh, so my music week, I bought another guitar. Again? Again, I know. I, I, Who Tony, do you think you are, me? Tony's being a bad influence. <laughs> I should say so. Except I'm not an Alibaba buying like a, in a gross, you know? Yes. So. Now, I take offense to that. I use DH gates. DH gates. Yeah, but then you could just sell them all to Rivington like he did. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Those were all real. <laughs> so, yeah, buy another guitar. Um, just a El Cheapo, uh, Les Paul Jr., Flat finish, flat yeah. TV. Yeah. But it, it's kind of cool. It's a... Uh, it's a it, special. No, it's a junior. It's a junior. Yeah, sorry. Um, but uh, this one, uh, it, it's, it was a normal production one that they made with a humbucker stock. So a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great guitar. And you, you never know, especially how buying is now. It's hard to find stuff and touch it, you know, because there's not many local stores around, yada, yada. Yeah. So you pretty much order it and then just have to see Cross what the piece fingers. right see what the piece of wood is when it shows up and this one it's not been set up or anything and just tuned it hit a chord i'm like okay this thing resonates that's great w where did you get it um reverb just some guy some I'd guy just saw it pop up and it was a fair price and actually it was a little high and then i shot him an email said hey can you do me better and he was cool like 10 percent difference nice. and it was the right price so yeah I mean, he was real easy to deal with and yeah so all good i like that you're you're getting things that aren't um, Stratties. Actually, I've only I've only had one Strat in probably the last ten years. All of my stuff is usually single cuts. That's really? what I gravitate. It's usually T bodies. I, sworn I saw a pile of them when I was at your. Oh house. no, you are absolutely crazy. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I've had the one fender that I'm trying to sell. Okay. Perfect. All <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Well, so exciting week again. That's fun. Super about, fun for you. What about you, Todd? Well, uh, aside from uh, buying extra strats. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, to I, destroy them all. Two things happened, uh, one good and one maybe not good at, uh, at the show that we were at. Um, I was, uh, we met up with our friend Zach from uh, Brandon Wound, um, and he had done a, a, a really special finish on a 12-screw uh, PAF for me. I saw a picture on that. That it, thing looks like evil, it, like menacing. I know. Well, and he said, you know, yeah, well, I don't know if I can divulge it. I won't divulge this. That might come up later. But it looks killer because I did the aging on all the other hardware for that Epiphone Explorer that I was just like, I'm just going to have fun with this thing oh, and cool. see what happens. So um, I was really, really excited about that. So that was good. Now, the bad was... I, as you know, you do your loops and you start looking at stuff. And I saw a Hagstrom guitar case down by the feet by these, by this one. And I was like, wait a minute. And uh, Andy, for your edification, I happen to really like the Hagstrom Vikings. I have two of them, a black one and a gold one. And I don't have the, I don't have cases for those uh that aren't that are you know i don't have a branded case for them and i thought if i ever run across one i'd like to get one because they're you know around 200 bucks for a branded hagstrom case that fits the guitar properly uh and so i see this case down there and i'm and i'm looking at the guitars and then i said wait a minute there's a there's a tobacco burst viking oh no well, I sat on it, I hemmed, I hawed, and I was like, I had a couple of pedals, and I was like, oh, if I can sell these, da, 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 da. you missed it. I walked up to the guy pulling out his wallet, and I was like, no! And it was a price that was stupid. I was an idiot for not getting that, because I could have flipped that guitar so quick and, had, and still had the case. Uh, it was a big dope. And I even cornered the guy after. I'm like, you bought that right as I was trying to get it. At least sell me the case. And he's like, no, that's why I got it. <laughs> he's thinking like I was. You know, that's the rule, though, man. If you see it, I know, like that, I know, you just it's, do it. I, I know. It was, it was gnawing at me the whole time. Uh, I, I didn't do it. Was a, well, you won't was, make that mistake I twice. was a dope. Anyhow, oh, and by the way, the the guy that was looking at all your pedals showed up. Not he showed up at the booth and said, "Oh, where's that guy?" But I gave him your number. Oh, cool. So yeah, so he he won't call me. Like yeah, no. (laughs) He left and he went. Oh, I'm glad I didn't buy those. I don't really have the money. Anyways, so uh, there we have it. And you know what they did have was a lot of pedals out there. You know, Tony. I saw a lot of There pedals. were a lot of pedals. And you know what are the best thing to hook up all those pedals with? Uh, toothpaste and spit? Mm, well, that might get you somewhere, but I think you have a better bet with Tour Gear Design's patch cables. Oh, uh, that would be a better. I swear by them, Rob. We all yes, use them. We, we all swear by them. They're fantastic. Rob loves them. He's got them all over the place in his shop and everything. Highly recommends them. Yes, I do and, too. And uh, anyways... What you need to do is you need to go to tourgeardesigns.com. Yes. Load your card up load with it these up. things. Super low, uh, low, low. I would say it's a low profile. Profile. Yes. Very small diameter. We're like a married couple. We finish, finish each other's sentences. Uh, jack plug. Okay. So what this does is it it helps you. And if you've got big, giant pancake jacks, Ugh. stop using that. Stop uh, it. What, what are you bothering with that for? Go just get rid of them and put In some all syrup the different on links. Get out of here. Yep. Uh, go load your card up. 
And then you're gonna in your in the uh, coupon area, you're gonna put in the guitar knobs, and you're gonna save fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Fifteen percent off your order. And it's they're already really they're already affordable. incredibly affordable. Uh, all that being said, we are truly thankful for Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our Four on the Floor. Tony, let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Andy Fuchs of Fuchs Amps, what is your four on the floor? Well, there's probably, let's see, yeah. Oh, I, we could start with the Digitech Mosaic pedal, Ooh. which is a very cool 12-string simulator. I use it pretty regularly in my band on certain tunes to add some texture. I would say number two is probably the Keeley 30 millisecond. Uh, that's his doubler pedal, which again just adds. Sometimes it just adds fullness you really like, um, particularly on electric acoustics, but on regular electrics as well. So is that kind of a, a chorusy doubler, or no? It's it. It's hard to explain. It it's it's got a number of settings on it. One of them is like you know references Abbey Road. You know, there's there's a couple of different uh, types of of sounds it does. I'm using the little toggle switch all the way up, and it's a very subtle, it just adds a little, it's hard to say, just a very friendly texture to the overall sound of the guitar. Huh. And you can you can control the uh, the tuning, the detuning, um, and the level of the effect. It also has a reverb in it, which I don't use, um, but it's a gr that's a great little pedal. Oh, back back um, to the mosaic. Now, how, how I, I haven't tried one of those out. Does it track really well? It's excellent. Um, what's kind of clever, it, it sort of splits the guitar in a way that, you know, your upper strings sort of double and your uh, lower strings sort of octave. Yep. Uh, so it sounds very true to a, to an electric 12. Yep. So, you know, my band does a Beatle tune or a Tom Petty tune. You know, I can throw that in and it, it really it really makes things pretty authentic without having to bring another guitar. I'll spend half the night tuning. Mm -hmm. huh. That's I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, that's there. a good little pedal. Um, actually, the two of them together work very, very well. It, I'm sure it also, sounds like it creates a pretty lush sound between be a big the sound, yeah. like a twenty-four string, if you will. Oh yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I actually, I actually recorded an electric twelve in the studio, and and I used the mosaic pedal with it, and it it was sick. It was like really, really nice. <laughs> wow, it really added a nice color to it. I'm really interested with this uh, 30 millisecond doubler, double tracker. It's called the 30MS Double Trapper Tracker, uh, in case you are all out there listening and and uh, typing along as we are doing. Um, yeah, very, very curious. It's a, it's a great pedal. Rob's a super nice guy. Um, He's been it, on the show. A, it's a, it's <laughs> a fairly you know, reasonably priced pedal. It's, it's built real solid. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I use it often, and I really like it. Cool. How about number three? Number three of all things, as much as I'm not a fan of the builder, um, and he's not <laughs> in business anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know where this is going. I, I use the, <laughs> the full-tone full trim, which I really like a lot, because um, uh, I don't build any amps with tremolo in them. Oh, you mean I the super trim? either. I'm sorry. You mean the super trim? Yeah, the the, the black thing with okay, the two yep. big knobs on. Yeah, I think yeah. you said full trim there, so that's why. So oh, sorry. The super yeah, trim. So that, yeah, so so that's what I've been using, and that that's great for like 
you know, my band will do some Motown ballads and stuff yep. like that. You know, you just strum a chord nice and slow and it's it's modulated like it was on the record. So that's kind of cool. Yep. That I, that pedal's been on my board for, well, whatever, 20 some years now. Absolutely. Every other trim I, I try, that one's got the, the sweep, the ramp to it up and down. Yep. That was on my when way back when way back before when? there was electricity or pedal boards. I, I, I was you had one. That was, no, that was on my uh, my four on the floor. So oh yeah. yeah yeah there you go. Yep. And how about our last entry? Um, I would have to say the uh, Electro Harmonics Pog pedal. Oh, yeah. interesting. I've got the little mini pog, um, and it's kind of nice on certain tunes to be able to, you know, double a line you're doing, whether you're trying to sort of fill in for a bass player or assist a bass player. Um, I don't use it too much on solos and things. It's more, you know, I'll play the lower strings and, and have that extra little kick on the bottom. That's that's usually how I apply it, and, and it's only on certain tunes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the pedals I, I – I kind of flirt with taking off the board and making room for something else because I don't use it all that much. But it's it's good in that it tracks like really, really well and it sounds very, very good. Um, and, and not all the octave pedals do that. I mean, I used a Roland for years until I just got fed up with it glitching and everything, you know. Mm, yeah. And technology's moved ahead so far that the modern stuff's much better, you know. Yeah, that's... Uh, that is still a, pr- a relatively pricey pedal for, especially for a mini. That's at two hundred and forty bucks on Sweetwater. Oh right wow, now. yeah. Just it's well, just, you know what? I, I had a regular Pog, and I was trying to make room on the board, and I put mine on reverb, the full size Pog. Uh-huh. I flipped it pretty quickly, and immediately bought the mini Pog, and and you know just popped it in there, and it, it worked out so much better. Yeah, cool. You know, it, it, it opened me up a little bit more room to put toys on the board, you know. It looks like it has one extra knob on it, too, if I'm not mistaken. the uh, Oh, that's the micro pog. Yeah, so you had the full pog. There's a micro pog yeah. and then the mini pog. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a good little uh, It's a good little piece. Oh, the yeah. pico pod. That's what it's called. The pico pod, a nano pog, <laughs> a micro pod. What is it, the size of an iWatch? Jesus. I, I know. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, How small can you get? Yes. Well, uh, anyways. Um, so, uh, all right. That's that's uh, that's four that's four. four that, uh, frankly, I wasn't expecting. Four. Yeah. Any of those. Those are kind of cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out that mosaic. Yeah, for sure. I think Mosaic uh, is outstanding. You know, at least once or twice a month, someone will come up to me and go, where's the 12-string coming from? (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Andy, uh, we have you here tonight to dig into the uh, chest of drawers that is your amp uh, creation business. Um, And I think the logical place to start is... um, The beginning? Well, no, I don't want to start. I'd actually like to find out briefly... Um, in your elevator, I guess, pitch, tell us what Fuchs is. Well, it's, it's probably a hobby that went horribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started out as a hobbyist. I got a job in the local TV store when I was 12 years old in the sixth grade. And I was sweeping floors and answering the phone, making service appointments and looking over the shoulder of the guy who ran the store, um, who volunteered to teach me electronics. 
Um, and I had two very supportive parents that bought me a soldering iron and test equipment and boxes of parts and things. Um, and it evolved into me, you know, not only fixing things for people, but building some of my own stuff. Um, and eventually when, when I got around to it, I started getting so much interest in what I was making. I was selling some of the things I built, you know, at gigs, guys would be like, that amp sounds great. Where can I get one? Well, I made it. Can you make me one? Um, so it kind of caught on from there. And here we are almost 25 years later, still doing it, which is kind of exciting. Um, we keep the service portion alive. You know, uh, half the shop is devoted to the service side and the second half of the shop is devoted to the manufacturing side. And it's, uh, keeps us pretty busy. Now, when you started learning electronics way back, um, where was the natural jump to like, okay, I'm, I, I, at what point did you start developing your own thing and how did that come about? Well, along the way, I'd, I'd always made things for myself. You know, for a while I was a pretty ardent audiophile. So I was building power amps and preamps and, you know, uh, things for my own home system. Um, I eventually um, was working in the city at We Buy Guitars on 48th Street. And in the New York Times of all places, my mom saw an ad uh, for someone who wanted to be taught electronics. Um, and I called the guy, and he was a very colorful gentleman um, on the uh, Central Park West side of Manhattan, living in a beautiful apartment pretty well off at the time. Um, and he, I would take a train after work in Midtown and go to his apartment and teach him um, wiring and soldering and circuits. Uh, his name was Harvey Rosenberg. And Harvey eventually um, started a company to manufacture tube electronics and asked me to come on board. Um, and that was a company called New York Audio Labs. And we used to build, um, you know, amps for audio fanatics and preamps, you know, for audiophiles. Um, and that was a fun venture. Um, we had a little bit of a falling out. You know, I was supposed to get some interest in the business. It didn't materialize. I got a little bit uh, kind of miffed at that. And around that time, I had gotten married. And my then wife said, you know, it'd be nice if you made more money. <laughs> uh, so... I made a career switch and I was in the sales of what are called low voltage systems in the architectural field. So I was selling card access, PA systems, clock systems, fire alarm systems that would go mostly in the commercial environment. Um, and I made a really good living um, at that time. So I bought a house and had two kids and, you know, was living the dream. Um, and once I had the house, I sort of had a base of operation. So, you know, I cleared out a corner of the basement, built myself a really nice workspace, um, took all my test equipment out of storage, um, set up a shop. And, you know, the next thing I know, going out to open mics and blues jams and playing gigs, you know, I kept finding more and more people that wanted my services, whether it was to fix things or to build them something. Um, so that was always, you know, percolating along. And then in the late 90s, about 98, maybe 99, um, you know, my brother-in-law at the time said, 
you know, you should get a website. And I went, uh, what? <laughs> and he explained to me, you know, hey, man, the Internet is a 24-7, uh, you know, thing that's global. And, you know, you can sell this stuff, you know, outside of the neighborhood and, you know, meet friends and influence people. <laughs> and so I put up a website. My son and I marched out at the time and bought a, a Sony digital camera that actually used floppy disks. That'll show you how long ago <laughs> it was. And I recorded um, some of my own sound files with backing tracks and my own amps in a studio. And I put up sound files because at the time... If you wanted video, you pretty much started it and went to bed and ho mm -hmm. hopefully it downloaded in the morning. Um, but through that, it, it just started to meld into an actual business. Um, and for the most part, it, it was initially modifications. You know, I'd find a Fender basement for a couple of hundred bucks in the local music store or, you know, on eBay in the early days. Um, you know, mostly just, you know, I'd be on the road for sales during the day and it's like, well, there's a music store where I happen to be. Let me run in and see what's for sale. Um, and I'd pick up a basement for a couple hundred bucks. that didn't work or it hummed or whatever. And I would gut it, put my own circuitry in it, put a new control panel on it and then throw it on eBay and, and flip it, you know, in a weekend, um, and make a decent buck doing it. Um, and, and the mods provided a really good, test bed for circuitry that eventually found its way into production amps. Um, my ex-wife at the time said, you know, you're cutting up your knuckles and your hands drilling and punching and, you know, modifying other people's amps. And why wouldn't it make more sense for you to have a chassis and a cabinet made and actually build your own amps? And, you know, the light bulb over my head went on and I said, shit, you know what? That's a really good idea. Um, I found a local uh, metal shop and I had chassis punched. And um, at the time, I found a local wood shop that let me make some cabinets in it. I, the initial amps are actually hardwood. They were like maple with a clear coat on them. Um, I still have one in my showroom at the shop uh, as a showpiece, one of the first five or ten amps I ever made. Um, and it evolved from there. You know, eventually I discovered Mojo and you know, you could actually go to somebody and say, make me a cabinet with Tolex and corners and handles. And it, it evolved into a more professional finished product. And a couple of years after, maybe 2003, I'm thinking maybe, I went to the NAMM show. And I, I got myself a space in a booth that was being run by, of all people, the Everly Brothers. Oh, wow. Say what? The Everly Brothers had a business. They were selling picks and strings yep. and guitar straps. And, you know, when they weren't busy fighting with one another. <laughs> um, and and I was able to, for a couple of hundred bucks, stick an amp in the corner and a guitar. And I sat there and handed out business cards and shook hands. And it grew from there. I originally uh, got going on the West Coast through Andy Brower who was a very busy carting and um, backline supplier to tons of studios. Um, and, you know, we started getting, we gave him some amps that he would take out to different recording sessions. You know, somebody would put in a request for X, Y, and Z equipment for a session for Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Carlos Santana, or whomever. 
And Andy would throw one of our amps in the mix and say, this is new, try this out. Um, and it, it really helped tremendously um, in, in the brand becoming better known, particularly on the, on the left coast, you know? Yeah. Well, and little by little, it just grew from there. You know, it was like, well, we're making 50 watts and then somebody wants 100, so we'll make 100. And then somebody wants three channels, so we'll make a triple drive. And somebody said, do you make anything that's like a steel string singer? So we made a clean machine. Um, and it, it we just kept kicking things along. And we prototyped a few bass amps over the years. We never finally went into production only until last year. You know, that we finally say, oh, enough of this. You know, let's actually do it, and they've they've taken off. It's like a whole new business. It really is. That's uh, probably something you didn't account for this long, uh, uh, far along in a very successful guitar amp. Uh, well, you know, it, it it was just <laughs> I had made a prototype. I, I built it in a in a blackjack chassis and cabinet, and I you know just like in the old days. I would go to open mics and jams and I would say, listen, do me a favor, try this out. Let me know what you think. The response was very good. Um, you know, I got feedback from, you know, local players that said, oh, you know, it'd be nice if you had, you know, this or that or the other thing. So the models evolved, you know, the prototypes evolved. Um, I had a new hire in the shop, a guy by the name of Scott DeBockler. Um, Scott had his own pedal business, SNK Pedals. Uh, you should have him on the show for sure. He's been on. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah, terrific. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Scott is an outstanding packaging engineer. Um, you know, and I, up to a point, am good at what I do, but Scott's a whole different realm for me. He can do SMD. Um, he can do three-dimensional drafting. So the circuit boards and the chassis and everything fit together without having to without having to make a whoops board and go, oh, shit, I've got to move the pots over a quarter <laughs> yeah. of an inch. Um, so Scott was instrumental. Um, he was making his own amp, uh, which is a killer 300-watt metal amp. Um, and I said, can I have a chassis? Because I think it's a good platform for me to finally do a bass amp. Um, and between us, in six months, we engineered four bass amps, uh, two solid state and two tube. Uh, 300 and 700 watt models that weigh six pounds. Uh, and again, sending them out to people for approval and test drive. I gave a 700 watt tube unit to Will Lee and he won't give it back. Damn it. You got his credit <laughs> you know, card number, and, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell people all the time, listen, if you're going to use it, you know, if it speaks to you and it's, it's going to work with you uh, in a good way, you know, we should definitely talk. Um, the big challenge as a small business is I'm going up against, you know, a Harky or, you know, uh, the various companies out there that are uh, Aguilar, people like that, that are part of bigger companies. You know, so Aguilar is now part of uh, Samson and uh, Harky's part. Uh, sorry, Harky's part of Samson. Mm -hmm. Aguilar is part of Korg. Um you know, so they've got money, you know, companies like Ampeg, for example, they've got money to put amps all over the world and, you know, put backline on stages everywhere. Um, and a lot of these guys, you kind of turn their heads and they're like, mm, I have relationships, relationships with other companies, but I really like this amp. Yeah. Um, so, so Will's a friend and he's like, look, I'm going to use it. It's going to get seen. I'm going to record with it and gig with it. And, you know, we'll have a good friendly relationship. You know, he's not 
maybe a formal endorser, but he's behind the product, which is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and between Scott and I, we've been finding, you know, players to put it in front of that have come away impressed. So that's exciting. And, you know, because of the reputation in the guitar end, people are like, you know, God, I've heard your amps. I've seen them. I've heard about your reputation. I'm dying to try this amp. And, you know, I've so far so good. Nobody's been disappointed. You know, we've we've more than exceeded what they're expecting, which is which is a great feeling. Well, you mentioned endorsers, um, and uh, if anybody ventures over to their website, I think they're going to be uh, pretty pleasantly surprised uh, with people like Dweezil Zappa, Steve Wright, Derek Trucks, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Rick Nielsen. Maybe you've heard of him, Cheap Trick mm, guy. You know, oh yeah, okay. checkers. Yeah. You know, he's famous. Yeah, I think I've heard of him. Uh, Carlos Santana, Warren Haynes, uh, Bootsy Collins, Buckethead, Joe Bonamassa, Greg Allman. Uh, Al Demiola's shows are only that, an hour, Todd. We gotta. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't even scroll down the page. Yet. I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, uh, they're 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 figuring out that you're doing something uh, pretty right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny when I when I got to know Al, uh, Andy Brower actually made that connection. I think it was in 2008, maybe. Um, Return to Forever had gotten back together and did a ser- did a tour, and Al was looking for I something. I saw that new tour. The- oh my god, it was so good! It was. Um, that was the first Al- time I'd ever seen any kind of like that kind of fusion, like jazz rock fusion stuff. It was not and my bag of chips, but holy mackerel, that, that opened my was, mind up. That group was phenomenal. That group was amazing. Uh, Chick Corea, God rest his soul, was was an amazing composer and musician, and a- Al and he worked off one another just tremendously yeah. well. And Stanley Clark, of course. Mm. Um, so around 2008, Al was looking for you know amps to tour with, um, and Andy said, "Well, why don't you try this out?" So he played it at a rehearsal. He liked it. Um, we set him up with with some backline. And he gets on the phone and he goes, I really like what you're doing. Where is your company? And I said, I'm in New Jersey. And he's like, where? And I tell him, and he's from Jersey, like <laughs> 10 minutes from the shop up the parkway. I'm like, holy crap. You know, and I had the same experience with Vic Juris. He came up to me at an amp show, played an amp. These things are terrific. I want to get one. You know, where are you? I'm like, Jersey. He's like, I'm from West Orange. I'm like, well, dude, come to the shop. You know, so a lot of people had no idea that we were an East Coast company. I met Paul Rivera. He's like, oh, you're not in California. I'm like, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. There, even that you mentioned it, though, there aren't a whole lot of ant manufacturers that are off or that are on the East Coast, are there? Not anymore. I mean, you know, you used to have Ampeg and you used to have Guild and, mm-hmm. you know, Epiphone. And, you know, there were definitely a lot going on. I mean, Supro's got an office. I think they've got a factory facility on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis Electrical, he's he's yeah. really pretty much a small, a small builder as they go. Yeah, right. You know, Tyler. There's a few little independent guys. Yeah, but real as small far guys. as like full-blown companies, we're like, probably the only East Coast company. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I kid around with Scott, too. I was like, you know, aren't you lucky you're from Jersey and I'm so close to where you live? Because <laughs> where else are you going to go to work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, next time you see him or talk to him, please tell him we said hi, will you? Absolutely. Uh, when you, uh, again, back to like where you were kind of heading with these, uh, you started developing your own 
circuitry, your own sounds. Um, what was your initial, um, I guess, sound profile that you were like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to sound like this? And, and tell us about that. Well, on the clean side, you know, keep in mind, both of my parents were musicians. Um, my mom played guitar professionally and my dad played accordion professionally and they were both Ampeg users. Um, so I grew up, you know, in a house always filled with music and, you know, we'd have records on from Howard Roberts or George Barnes or Les Paul or, you know, people like that, Vinnie Bell. Um, and, and you would hear just these magnificent, beautiful, clean tones. You know, if you listen to Les's clean tones or George Barnes's, they were just immaculate and bright and punchy. Um, so that kind of formed, you know, what I liked in a clean sound. I mean, I can remember very vividly being handed a Dan Electro guitar right out of the cardboard box uh, in my father's music store and plugging it into an Ampeg Gemini and just cranking up the bright switch and the reverb and just thinking, this is the most majestic sound I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, so I grew up with an ear for what I think is a really good, you know, traditional clean guitar tone, you know, whether it be jazz or pop on the dirt side, you know, I'd have to say Larry Carlton, Robin Ford, Santana, you know, Eric Clapton at times, um, those are iconic on the dirty side. You know, those would be the kind of sounds I personally would try and emulate back when I was playing rock and roll. You know, now I'm playing yacht rock, so I've got to make an assortment of tones, you know, to fit the tune that that we're doing or the sound we're looking to get. You know. All right, all right. Um, now, with you, uh, once you have the, your your main line, you know, you've got uh, kind of a a line that hits on just about all of the major. I guess tendencies that people go into as far as tone tone wise, like what you know, what people are seeking. Can you uh, walk us through um, what those are? Well, I would say that most most of our amps, if not all of the models, with the exception of the Manus uh, series, um, they are all capable of very similar clean and dirty tones. Um, if you look at the casino line, which is the blackjack and the full house, mm-hmm. um, they can do many of the tones you could get from a, an ODS classic or an ODS two. But as you move up in the lineup, um, you get increasing flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the casino amps don't have pull mid boosts or bright switches or gain boost switches. There's a number of features that begin to appear as you move up through the models. Mm-hmm. So the casinos are low end, like let's say around 2000. Uh, the ODS is the mid range, which is in the threes. And the ODS two is more like the four to five. Um, so depending on your budget and also your needs um, as a player, um, you can emulate most of the sounds, you know, amongst the amps because there's sort of a, a familial resemblance in terms of the circuitry mm-hmm. and, you know, what I'm looking for, you know, as the designer and often the player. Um, so I, I don't go too far off the reservation. Um, the only exception being the Manus 89, which is kind of our Marshall flavored amp. 
Um, channel one is like a, an 800. If you turn on the gain boost, it's like a hot rod at 800. Channel two is like a 900. Kick in the boost, it's like a tweaked 900. Um, so it's it's almost like a four channel amp, but that's more of a of a metal, you know, shreddy kind of uh, high gain sound. More in the Friedman ballpark, that kind of thing, Bogner. Mm-hmm. Um, while the ODS stuff is probably more in the Boogie Dumble camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the, the funny thing is, I gig alternately with either an ODS Classic, which is kind of a prototype. It's always in flux. I'm always tweaking around, trying to sort of find the next, uh, you know, the next revelation in terms of a circuit improvement or refinement. Um, or I play an ODS two, um, and the funny thing was, I kind of for years thought to myself, the ODS two is just really more of an amp than I need. Um, then I took it out on a gig and realized it's actually quite good because you can dial in a spectacular clean tone, and then you can dial in a dirt tone that is, you know, really significantly the other end of the spectrum. You know, you can go warm and dark on the dirt side and super bright and bouncy on the clean side, where to do that with a classic or to do that with a casino, you'd be twiddling knobs between channels, mm-hmm. um, where the ODS-2 gives you two distinct, completely separate channels. The only thing they share is a uh, an effects loop and the reverb, but everything else is independent. So, so you can you really have a lot of wide-ranging you know options tonally. So an ODS-2 is basically an ODS just doubled as far as channels oh yeah oh yeah i mean i was talking to drew berlin um who's handling the dumble estate and you know howard and i butted heads a couple of times in the early days but you know he said to me i'm kind of helping him sort through some of the uh trademark issues and and things like that and service issues um he said howard thought that the ods2 was a really clever idea um and i essentially you know, the triple drive that I used to make was not too much different. It had a very basic first channel, then it had a crunch channel and a lead channel. The ODS-2 is a clean and a dirt. Mm. Um, and the idea being, you know, you could dial them independently. And that's, man, that's a whole lot of flexibility. I mean, I'm really, I'm proud of that design. Yeah, for sure. I had a, I don't know if you remember, but I had one of those early Mantis come across the bench a couple of years ago for a tube issue. But uh, that's the first time I had heard one of those. Those are absolutely like fire-breathing dragons. It's you know it's funny it's a sleeper amp and it's only because we're not a company that gets looked at for that for kind the, of a product for the high gain. You know? exactly yeah. You know somebody's like oh I, you know I want to get a high gain amp. Well look at a Friedman, look at a Bogner, look at this, look at that, and you know we've tried to get the word out um, and to some degree we have. I mean we're seeing people embracing it. Um, but it's funny because uh, I remember when we were still doing NAM, we had a couple of Manus models, you know, a few years back and people were like, I can't believe you can make an amp that sounds like this. Mm. Like, what do you mean? Well, you know, you like, what do you mean? <laughs> old? Like I'm an old guy. I'm not capable of this. I mean, have you met Dave Friedman? You know, come on. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's just, it's weird. Like you, you don't go into, a Porsche dealership and try and find a car that gets 80 miles a gallon. You know, you just don't do it, you know? So, you know, it's our job and we're trying to, you know, through our, our, our retail partners like American musical, you know, getting demo videos out there, getting them in front of artists that can actually make them do what they're intended to do. And people are starting to take note, which is nice. Awesome. Awesome. 
now, as you are embarking into, um, uh, you know, you got, you got stuff going on with the bass. We mentioned that as far as new lines. Are you pretty much, are you sticking with the Casino, Clean Machine, Mantis, ODS? Is there anything new on the horizon there? Well, we are looking at sometime this year probably doing a guitar amp in the bass amp platform. Um, oh. What I've done, the ODS Classic that I gig with um, at the moment is actually a hybrid. Um, and it's an ice power module with an ODS preamp in front of it. Mm. Um, and what we're, what we're looking to do is try and um, package that in what is the base amp platform. Um, so you'll have a six pound, it's 300 watts into four ohms, it's 150 watts into eight ohms with a dedicated, you know, true tube preamp running at the proper voltages. Um, and the amp in its current form on gigs um, has proven to really get the job done. Um, I'm in the final phases of tweaking it before I hand it over to Scott um, and we convert it to a circuit board. Um, but I'm going to say, realistically, second quarter of this year, that'll hit the streets. Um, wow. And it's it's good in that it's a twofold thing. It's got more power than most people will ever need. Um, it'll be a great clean platform for like a jazz type, you know, the guys who bought acoustic images or maybe even quilters. Um, so it's gonna, it'll have a great clean channel. Um, it'll have my, my well-known drive channel. Um, you know, we're just experimenting right now with contouring uh, the voicing so that it, uh, the two preamp gets along the best way it can with the ice power module. Um, we did that in the bass amps. I mean, guys that have played the tube 300 and tube 700 are like, oh, my God, it's a seven pound SVT. Like, yeah, no kidding. Um, and that, that's, you know, no secret. That's intentional. Um, you know, I, I get calls from guys that are like, I'm 60 years old and I'm not carrying that thing around anymore. <laughs> like, okay. And, you know, this is an amp where someone goes, it sounds like an SVT. Um, and, and I pick it up with my pinky, you know, which is, which is great. And I'm, I'm hoping to do that same thing on the guitar side. Um, you know, I, I can gig with a single 112 Neo cabinet and that head and, and, you know, not bust my back up doing it, you know. Hey, Andy, what's the uh, price point for the base amps currently? They are running, I believe they're like 900 to 12 and change maybe. That is cheap. And that's honestly, yeah. you guys are making that like in-house in, in New Jersey? That is built in the States. Wow. Um, it's funny because when we did the casinos years ago, you know, people were calling up going, well, that's Chinese, isn't it? And I'm like, No. You know, um, because people looked at us making two and three thousand dollar amps, and all of a sudden, at the time, the initial you know blackjack I think was a fourteen hundred dollar amp, mm -hmm. and nobody could believe it was made in the states. Um, the base amps are made in the states. Um, again, not having a wooden cabinet has been a big savings for us. Mm. Um, and Scott's uh, packaging is very very efficient. Yeah. Um, so that you know the labor time to build it. Um, is is cut down substantially. Yeah. Um, it's built in a very production friendly way. Um, so yeah, they're competitively priced. We make a reasonable uh, margin on them. Um, and and part of the pricing, you know, my buddy, uh, the the purchasing agent, American Musical Supply, when we came to him because he happens to also be in Jersey, 
you know, I said, listen, this is what we've got. We've got four amps. This is where we want to put them in the marketplace. And, and he sort of, he said, listen, this is what you're up against. You know, you're going to be up against this model and this model from that manufacturer and that manufacturer. You know, if you want my advice, this is where you should price them based on the power and the features. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of took their guidance and, you know, probably for the next year or so, I don't see the prices going anywhere, um, you know, barring any increases from vendors. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an, but it's an efficient build. And that's that's a difference between a casino and an ODS in a lot of ways. Um, an ODS is an eight or nine hour chassis build mm -hmm. uh, where we can build three casinos in a day because they're made for production efficiency. Yeah. Um, so when we when we roll out the guitar amp, um, you know, in that bass amp platform, you know, I'm hoping to have that thing around, you know, maybe twelve hundred and change. Wow. Um, which will be with reverb and a loop and channel switching and, and a two-way foot switch and all kinds of cool stuff. And I know there might be some other things out there that are similar-ish that, you know, might be close to that price point, but I can't think of anything that's made in USA that comes close to that. Yeah, a lot of what we're competing up against, you know, I'm, I'm looking out and seeing, you know, Supro's a you know, fine example. Uh, they don't build a bad amp. Um, they... I don't know if it's intentional or just maybe it's just an oversight, you know. Um, there's no country of origin on the mm. amplifier. It's on purpose. Um, and, I, and I think that they've got, you know, chassis and, and, and stuff coming in from overseas. Mm -hmm. Maybe they put them in a cabinet in Long Island and then they ship them out. So they're not necessarily American made. And maybe if it said assembled in USA, possibly, I don't know. Um, you know, if you if you ring the doorbell and come in the shop, you know, you're going to see people assembling the amps and putting them in a box and shipping them out. You know, yep. um, I do get boards done outside of my shop by um, automated wave soldering shops. Mm -hmm. um, we build the first six or 12 of any model in the shop um, to make sure it's consistent and it sounds like the prototype um, and it's a stable, repeatable design. After which time I buy 50 or 100 boards at a time and I have them stuffed on a machine. As, as everybody yeah. does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, one maybe a final uh, major question that we got for you is uh, amps are in an interesting place right now. Um, you know, you've talked about how you have worked your models to be uh, maybe more gig friendly, uh, maybe more transportation friendly. Certainly the people and the, uh, uh, the musicians in the, the upper East Coast uh, have, have that we've had on the show have definitely talked about that. The whole idea of like, you know, getting into the city and going to a gig is like that's a whole different ball of wax right now. And um, I'm curious from your standpoint, like where where do you see obviously there have been a lot of things that have changed uh, specifically even in recent years you are where you are at now um what are you th seeing for f for the future of of um amps geez i don't know i'll probably be retired by then wouldn't i <laughs> <laughs> well uh may or, or maybe still cruising around the world who knows there you go um you know, honestly, I think I'm finding it kind of interesting that the modeling aspects, the helixes and the, you know, the, the various, you know, amp emulators seem to have sort of almost crested 
and they're starting sort of to decline a little bit. Um, you know, I'm seeing posts on forums from people that are like, yeah, you know, I've been playing this thing for, you know, a couple of years and, you know, I'm realizing it's missing something that I'm not getting from it. Uh, and it's tubes, you know, and guys are returning to tube amps. Um, the new Fender Tone Masters are, you know, an attempt to emulate tubes in a solid state format, which is not terribly bad. Um, I definitely think, you know, obviously lighter amps with, with a good tone are, are definitely going to be the future. I mean, I'm excited about what we're going to come up with, with this, you know, new guitar head in the bass platform. You know, you're talking about an amp you could put in the gig bag over your shoulder or put in your guitar gig bag and, you know, plug into a house cabinet somewhere um, and bring along a great tone that doesn't weigh a whole lot. Um, and it's, it's going to be genuine tubes with the efficiency of a solid state power amp behind it. Um, and while that's been done in the past, I don't think it's been done as good as it can be. You know, I've got a couple of things circuitry wise I can't really delve into that I can tell you doing this almost 50 years now, I know it's not being done in, in guitar amps at the moment. And I don't know of any engineers pondering some of the ideas that I've come up with that I'm, I'm excited to get to market. You know, so I, I think that's going to be an exciting time for, for the company because it's going to be a unique product. Hmm. Have you, um, I mean, I know you don't want to uh, maybe give too much away, but I'm really curious, is there a place, is there a place on the, the pedal boards for um, a Fuchs model? Um you know where, where I'm going with that? It's like some of these, uh, like a power amp pedal. Like power amp, like you know, Black um, Black Star came out with Mon Milkman. Scott got it. You know, I, even even those like the Seymour Duncan Power Stage kind of thing. Is that is that a consideration at all? I wouldn't rule it out. Um, interestingly enough, one of the companies that we do repair work for, because we've got a few manufacturers globally and in the states. Um, for which we do repair work under warranty. Um, I don't do warranty for everybody. Um, you know, Fender and some of those companies, they don't really pay a lot. Um, and warranties have been extended to the point that, you know, a lot of times in the old days, when I started in the late 70s doing repair work, you'd fix something under warranty. The warranty was over six months or a year later, and somebody would bring something in to be fixed, and it'd be like, a repeat customer, except this time you could charge them. Um, nowadays, uh, warranties have become extended. Um, in the case of some of the tone masters and stuff, they're not even field serviceable. Fender replaces them, which has kind of really changed that that sort of you know platform it, in a bad way, in my opinion. They're not supported by by service manuals or parts or anything. If it broke, you're going to buy another one, or we're going to replace it under warranty. Um, but where I'm going with this is we see some of the modern builders out there. I'm impressed with Victory as an example. Because oh, yeah, Victory, yeah. Victory's got some tube preamp um, and ice power module based, you know, pedal amps, so to speak. And I think, you know, I would definitely not rule out um, at some point that we might come up with, you know, a similar style of product with our own spin on it. Um you know, the other thing, too, you got to you got to sort of judge that against what's out there, too. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I talk to dealers before I even start working on a design, you know, people that I trust to get some insight into whether or not I'm going to design something and bring it to market and have somebody say, well, it's already been done, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, Seymour Duncan's got the jump on you, you know, and I think, listen, having a couple of hundred watts on your pedal board and just carrying out a cabinet, that's not a bad concept. No. You know, if, if you can make it work and sound good, why not? You know, even even uh, electroharmonics has these little tiny pedal amps that are like 50 watts and they're the size of, you know, a tube screamer. Like, that's pretty damn clever. You know, you can't you can't argue with that. Yep. Yep. But I wouldn't rule out us potentially looking at that down the line. Why not? Yeah. Well, you know, it, I, I don't know that I even would have asked that, except the fact that you had brought up Scott um, and, you know, obviously he he was coming from a, a pedal uh, standpoint uh, with, with quite a few of his, his pieces. And uh, I, it just, just sounded like um, I, th- I think there's something interesting about a classic amp builder who can provide that. Because even if it's a perception thing, the idea that some of these things that are landing on boards, not all of them is necessarily coming from, uh, you know, uh, I guess... A, a, a classic tube amp builder. Um, they're coming from from companies that have done, you know, maybe except for Victory. Um, you know, they all have all the other brands really kind of have a, a a pretty solid foot in in solid state things and electronics and pedals and stuff like that. So um, I th- I, uh, I just think that'd be kind of interesting, especially from you know somebody like you who's a um, a higher end boutique. Uh, maker of uh, of classic guitar amps, you know. Well, yeah, and I and I think honestly, you, you know, my ears kind of picky. Um, I think I've got a sort of a standard to meet that my customers expect. You know, I mean, I'm not just yeah. going to put it out for the sake of putting it out. You know, I want someone to say, "Oh my God!" You know, when I when I brought the casino stuff out, I remember a guy saying, "You finally brought your tone down to a more affordable realm," and you know, I'm not disappointed in what it sounds like, yeah. almost as if they expected it to be disappointing. You know, and it's, you know, I, I've got a uh, a reputation I think to uphold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when I if and when I do something like that, I'm going to want it to be something that. You know, somebody wants to buy it because it's better than what other vendors are offering them, you know. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's, I think, that a, a great way to sum up um, how you would, if you would uh, look into that, you know, those are the standards that you got to hold up. And uh, Well, that's why our base amps took as long as they did to get yeah. to market. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I kept making different types of models and shapes and sizes to the point where the technology and, you know, having the right people on staff, you know, allowed me to finally get my ideas out to the market. And the response has been terrific, um, you know, because I didn't take lightly going into a completely new market, you know, because someone's, you know, someone's going to perceive that and go, oh, shit, now he's doing base amps. I hope they're good, you know, and I'm not going to put something out there that's mediocre. I can't risk it. Not at this point. Not after 25 years of yeah. building a brand, you know. Yeah. No, that that would be uh, that'd be crippling. Yeah. Totally understand that. Oh, yeah. Well, Andy, this has been uh, an absolute delight talking to you and getting to know more about uh, your amps. I, I know that 
I've certainly seen them uh, all over the place and most of our listeners, but getting to uh, talk with the person behind them who developed them and who stands by them, I think has been a, a really great experience for us. Um, Tony yes, Todd. is going to take us on a little trip right now. Yes, that is correct, Todd. It's that part of the show where we like to play a little game called Would You Rather? Was that okay, Todd? That was great. Thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I need constant affirmation. Thank you. Um, this week's Would You Rather. Perhaps some listeners remember our good friend, Professor Squeaky Bellows. Squeaky bellows. Squeaky bellows. Okay. Well, if you remember the last time we did this, I think all of us chose to foil Professor Squeaky Bellows' master plan. And since we failed him miserably last time, Professor Squeaky Bellows shows up at your house dressed like an Amazon driver. Now, maybe I should go back and just remind everyone. That for those of you who don't remember... Squeaky Bellows is the mad scientist who believes accordion music is the only music that matters. And he has a master evil plan (laughs) of destroying guitar music with his time machine. Oh, yes. Another time machine. Not the one that we use, but this is Squeaky Bellows. Back to the story. As you pick up the package, once again, you fill a little pinprick. There'll be no more. Okay. Uh, It's getting very existential, man. You find yourself back in his secret lair complete with a newly rebuilt time machine. This time, the mad professor has decided to take aim at 70s and 80s jangle rock. In his twisted mind, he believes he can destroy guitar music by switching Rickenbacker 12-string guitars with something a little bit different. In order to help the mad scientist complete his mission and once again gain your freedom, you will take his time machine along with a Dan Electro Coral Electric Sitar guitar to switch with one of two iconic Rickenbacker 12 strings. Option one, back to the 1970s and Mike Campbell's Oh, you got me there. Okay. I'm in. I'll, I'll do number one. <laughs> Ricky 62512. Or option two. Uh-huh. Back to the 1980s. And Peter Bucks from REM. Ricky 33012. Mm. I'm going to throw a third one in. Okay. Back to the 90s. Wow. And going to see Johnny Marr and switching out That's his... That's not fair. That is We're going to switch it out. So you got a three for this week. Ugh. Option one, switching any of those wonderful electric 12-string guitars with a Dan Electro choral sitar. Okay, so what's the difference between for people like me that are not infinitely well-versed in Rick and Backer? Well, do you know what an electric sitar is? Yes. You know the sound of an electric yes. sitar? Yes. Campbell plays one of imagine, those. Imagine, if you will, on all of the big hits, instead of a Rickenbacker 12, it's this sound of a sitar. Okay. Hang on. I'll pull it up, Rob. Oh, my no, no, God. No, 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 no. I understand that. But Yes. Okay. So then 
So we're just switching the tone out totally. The professor thinks that he can destroy guitar music. Oh, so we got to pick which one we want to get rid of. But if you remember last time we did this, maybe you weren't here. I don't know if I was. And maybe you weren't. But we decided that we would foil. These all blur together. Well, they know, kind so. of do. But these, we, we, we decided that we would foil his plans and we took the lesser of two evils. The first time, yeah. it was switching band members. The second time, right, it was switching the iconic guitars. Okay. And now this is the third appearance. These are so confusing for me. I'm yes. sorry. I well, want just to pick simple, A or pick B. Simple person. All right. Like so first you, when you said Campbell, I'm like, okay, that one. Then I'm like, well, now I don't want to, you know, ah, poo-poo him. Yeah. So so it's now, confusing. Now you're thinking about it, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, it hurts. You're yes. gonna. You're coming up. We heard. You want we me heard to... womp, 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 Mike Campbell. We're like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> That's it. We're like, yeah. Oh, no, you mean we got to, oh, no, we don't want to. Yeah. All yeah. right. Shall I go first, Todd? Yes, please. And then we'll check in with Rob. We'll hear from Andy, and then I'll wrap it up. Okay. So if I had to choose between the 70s and Mike Campbell, the 80s and Peter Buck, yeah, and the 90s and Johnny Marr, I'm going, well, what? What? You mean Johnny Marr as a, as a, see. As, as a uh, Smiths player. Well, that would have been in the 80s. Was that 80s? Yep, that was 80s. Late 80s, okay. Mm, we'll figure 80s. it, we'll fine tune the time machine. Yeah, I, we I just, a lot of, lot of just, 80s. It's it just, all of the 80s. All of those, all those guys okay. were in the 80s. So it's just the 80s. Oh my just God. Every, set the time machine once and just go to separate places. Everyone's a critic. You yes. guys are exhausting. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Um, I'm going to, just for fun, because I honestly believe Mike Campbell can do no wrong. And I thought, it, when I, I just thought, how cool would it be to see Tom Petty on uh, Damn the Torpedoes with a choral sitar instead of the Ricky 12? But I think, I thought you said Mike Campbell's going to play it. The guitar he is holding on the cover of Damn the Torpedoes is Mike Campbell's Rickenbacker. That's not, that's, that's true. That was just that's an aside. Trickery. Yes, that was it just was an, an aside. aside. Okay, all right. But, oh. but for playing it. For playing it, it's going to be Mike. And yeah. Imagine American Girl. Gling, gling, gling. Okay. <laughs> I just, I had that in my head. So that's. Um, that stuck in my head. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Uh, so that's what I'm going with. All right. I can, I, uh, this is, this is a. This is a horribly ugly guitar. Okay, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> okay, okay. Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr. Mike Campbell. Mike Campbell. Peter Buck. Peter Buck. From R.E.M. Okay, I'm thinking. Okay. Oh, God, there's no good answer here. Well, um, the, the, let's look at it this way. Do you want to help the mad professor, or do you want to foil the mad professor? I don't professor? like where he's going with this. Okay. Um, so I want to do the least amount of damage. Okay. Johnny Marr. What? <laughs> How is that the least amount of damage? That's the most amount of damage. There's only one guitar player. No, yeah, yeah, but not for me. <laughs> if that whole catalog goes How crap, I'm okay you, with you, it. <laughs> you see why I had to add the third choice? Rob, leave your garage door I'm, open. I'm, I'm glad you did. <laughs> uh, I'm going to dial up an Airbnb. And <laughs> Andy, do you, do you care to weigh in on this situation? <laughs> well, you know, I just bought an electric sitar, believe it or not. <laughs> what? I, I do believe local, that. Based on your four dude, on the floor, I believe that 100%. There's a, there's a local dude by the name of Don Stoltz, who I met through uh, Facebook, um, who builds these really cool guitars. 
he's made some Telecasters, but he builds them in the Dano tradition. Oh, cool. Um, with a nice poplar wooden frame and the little vinyl strips on the side. And he posted um, a beautiful uh, sitar that he had built using a real genuine Dan Electro neck. And it has a Dano pickup in one position and a gold foil in the other. Ooh. Um, you know, and I, I'm now trying to make a case for my band that we should learn at least one song that I could put it to use on. Because ah. it's just, it's really, it's got just, you play a riff and you're like, oh yeah, I get it, you know. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's got a unique sound for sure. You know, you don't want to, I wouldn't want to listen to it all night, but it does have its place in music. I'm curious, uh, never having played one of these but mm-hmm. is is the pickup over the extremely short um i guess those well, are called the drone strings the drone strings well my question is are those acting are those sympathetic they are notes? sympathetic so you're they're not you're, it's not strumming i mean you, you could you, you could, could but yeah they, but it's sympathetic it's notes, sympathetic meaning it's picking up all of the racket you're, you're from playing the, the six string yeah and it's it, and depending on what notes you're hitting, they will sympathize. Yeah, with not you. unlike a resonator uh, guitar, where which is picking up all the just all the vibrations Stuff. and giving it back. Yeah, my, mine does not have those strings on it. Mine is just a regular six string, but with the electric sitar bridge. Ah, yeah, the um, buzz bridge. Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't know how much sympathetic vibration you're getting through a piece of masonite anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. The sympathy is all from the player. Sympathy for the devil. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay. So, Andy, you, you, who are you going to uh, either ruin or help here? <laughs> jo- Johnny Marr, please. Okay. I'll take Johnny Marr for twenty. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thank Whoa. you, Andy. Oh, lots of lots of Smiths hating out there. Oh, you chose wisely, it. Andy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my God. My listen. I'm 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 dealing as it is with a son who's a fan of the Smiths, and and uh, you know it's just it's a tough burden to carry. Where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Uh, I think Todd's starting to cry so a little somebody bit. Somebody needs to hide my hide the eyes on my Johnny Marr poster above Tony's head. Johnny, Tony's head here. Uh, uh, what about you, Todd? Well, uh, I love Mike Campbell. I am a huge fan of of Petty and the band, and uh, and I am a huge fan of Johnny Marr. So I'm definitely uh, Peter Buck. I I've, it, I saw him live. I said all the thing, but of the three, there's no way I'm gonna get in the way of Johnny or or uh, Mike. So okay, yep. Well, that's R- R.E.M. is getting a sitar. weapon in the Heartbreakers, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, no question. All right, uh, we need to thank a few people, and then we're going to bid adieu to you, uh, you and to you our friend and Andy. You. Um, and uh, make sure that the pots and pans comment uh, didn't get him in trouble. <laughs> Watch out for the flying cast iron skillet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Todd, because at this point of the show, there's a special group of people we love to thank. These are our executive producers. Now, executive producer makes this show possible. How do you become one? Head over to Pick. Patreon. I almost said pickguardian.com. Yeah. Oops. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate, become a friend, a sponsor, a hero, a patron of this program. Mm. Each level comes with some very nice thank you gifts. 
And uh, oh, giveaways! Hell yeah! Yes, we got we got giveaways coming, and you get automatically get qualified for that. Indeed. Um, but beyond that, all the good stuff. There's one thing more, Jared. If you're out there, you get to have your neighbor help. <laughs> wow, Jared, through the ether came through. That's right. You get your have your name right on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers, Vader and Pedals, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Micah D, Richard Kendall, James White, Motander Guitars, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterley from Rare Buzz Effects, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Tom Brazen, Ra- uh, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Godshock from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, Stuart George, Michael Furman, James Bell, James Romer, Cameron Pampas, Trevor Ellenberg, Christopher Logan, and John Sebastian. Yes. Sebastian. Yes. Very good. But Todd. Yes. There's another group of executive producers. Yes. These are the special ones. Yes. They all have... uh, They're of elevated status. Yes. These are called our Grand Poobas. They all get complimentary Gene Simmons Dragon platform boots. Yes, they do. (laughs) Except we only give them one. (laughs) (laughs) So they have to to wear a sneaker (laughs) on the other foot. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wan Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Casey Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. S. David Poe, Billy Spitfire Unlimited, Congregation Gear Demos, Paul Von Eppinger, Scott Sullivan, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups, Matt Hart, Enrico Fernando, Moon Guitars, Adam Johnson, Eric Edwards, and David Tyndall. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes, you are keeping our 2024 on our tippy toes with delight. Thank you so much. Tippy toe. Uh, and uh, if you are interested, uh, maybe even want to know more, you go ahead and ask us. We can talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's wind things up here. Andy, it has been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. We really appreciate your time. And an insight into you and your brand. Well, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and uh, wish you only the continued success with your webcast and be welcome to come on another time if you need me. That'd be oh, awesome. Oh, yes, indeed. That we'll have good. to do that. And where can we find all of your fine goods? I would say fuchsaudio.com is a good starting point. Let's start there. That's where you can get a good idea of what is offered. Tony, how about yourself? Head over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the wares I have available for sale. But I do a lot of custom work. I mean, that's really what I do. Yeah. And uh, so shoot me an email. Let me know what you're doing, what you're trying to do, what you need. 
we can pick out some really nice material, you know? Yes. You know what I'm saying? I do. You I've know seen what? it. Rob, how about yourself? Mad Cow Amplification, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Yes. And uh, oldmoanandrob.com. <laughs> and uh, let's see. You can DM me at uh, Todd at the, uh, uh, no, email me, Todd at the Guitar Knobs, or DM me. That's even better. Uh, at Guitar Knobs on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your would you rather. Yes, please. We'd love for you to get creative and uh, come up with some, you know, fever dream idea. Send it our way. <laughs> fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, make sure you go listen to the Valentinos. Yes. Uh, out uh, where you can get all the musics. I hear they're pretty good. Yeah, I love especially them. good driving music. I love that. I love that guitar player. I, me too. He's fantastic. I'm gonna give him a sitar. <laughs> He's so good at solos. Uh, hey, everybody, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe. Yeah. Uh, I am in northern New Jersey, probably about 20 minutes west of New York City. Gotcha. Man, we've had a lot of people from New Jersey. I feel like as of late, there's a lot of people that live in New Jersey. No, yeah, that that too. Uh, yeah, get like a big pair of oven mitts or something. <laughs> yeah, right? Then you'll hear like, that's back there. Well, <clears throat> who let's come in? Tell me This is the adapter. This is the phone. Let's not get them mounted up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rob's got to get a drink real quick before. No, no, I'm joking. I just downed a whole Red Bull. And I'm yeah, like, why? Did I need you to get that? another one. I was thirsty. It is not for quenching thirst. What, what, are you drinking anything in particular, Andy? I, at the moment, I'm drinking nothing. Do you need to drink something? Do you need to get oh, a drink? Oh God, something? go! You know, dry January is not going to go well if we start that. <laughs> <laughs> Who said it's January? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's practically February. <laughs> All right. I heard there's going to be a podcast tonight. Okay. That's your thing now, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> it is. Jeez. It's just me and the dog, and she's <laughs> asleep on the couch, so that's kind of weird. That's weird. It sounds like dishes or something. Ah. Hold on. Hey, Wendy? Yeah? Can you keep it down down there, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're getting, yeah. we're getting complaints. <laughs> I... You got some splaining yeah. to do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, nice one, Rob. Why did you say those things? Yeah. I had uh, I had raisin bran crunch this morning with milk. I think that's great. Perfect. Sure, man. That's cool. Yep. Well, Todd's back here. You ready yeah. to go, Todd? I mean, I guess so. I feel like I just missed the whole dang show. Yeah, we just Sorry. had the whole show. Sorry, Why man. don't you just do your little <laughs> bit now? Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And away we go. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash theguitarknobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitarknobs. Catch you next time.